I have a special treat uh, before I get up uh, to to speak. Uh, we have uh, Jacoby. Why don't you go ahead and come, Jacoby? Uh, Jacoby was um, a part of the best small group that was happening in the fall, mine and Randall's. And uh, yes, right there, Steve, you're going to me. And uh, so the morning that we uh, the morning that we were going to share about small groups. Um, you know, we, Jacoby couldn't be here that morning. And so he asked, he, he let us get in touch with us and said, Hey, I really feel like I'm supposed to share. Uh, do you mind to make that happen? He asked at the time, he says, and when I do that, can I get baptized? And so at the nine, so we, you know, so we said, Hey, you know, in the moment, we're like, Reynolds, like, what do we do? It's like, we need to do this. This is awesome. Right. Cause she's like, we need to, you know, because idea, we can't just for everybody say, Hey, I'm get baptized and do it. But we said, this is what God was doing in the moment. Right. Basically doing for one, what we wish, wish we could do for every one type thing. But we were like, this is the moment. So, so you missed it. You should have been here at nine. And they totally got baptized. Right. We had a whole church at vintage come up and get around them. But he is going to be here this morning to share his story, right? The, the story that he was going to share that morning because it's just a powerful story. It's a testimony of what God's doing in his life. It's a testimony of who God is. It's a testimony of what God was doing in our small groups. And, and ultimately, it, it ties into what God's doing in this season. So I'm going to have you, Colby, share. And, and, uh, and, as, he, and as he shares, uh, just give me your undivided attention. And uh, since it's a bigger group, I need to make sure you need to stand up the entire time so they can see your lovely face. All right, there you go, man. Good morning, everybody. Uh, like I was saying uh, earlier, coming to Ventures was just a shocker to me. It was so random. Uh, getting involved in a small group was random also. It was uh, one night we were sitting at the house. I don't know if you know the Damerons. They're the most amazing family if I've ever met. And uh, Tyler, Tyler, their son, um, he asked me that I want to go to Bible study with them. Uh, to be honest with you, I didn't want to go. <laughs> I was like, I'd rather sit home and sleep. Uh, but so some, I just, uh, I didn't want to disappoint anybody, so I said I'll go. Uh, so we're driving in the car. If you guys know where Steve stays, uh, he stays in this big neighborhood. It's like a maze. <laughs> so first thing I'm thinking is, you said Bible study. Where's the church? Uh, and so we turn down this road, and this, this complete dirt road, and I'm like, he's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he just made the wrong turn, and... <laughs> So, I was, right now I'm shaky. I'm like, what's going on here? So we get to Steve's house and then we walk in and then I see all these faces and they, they're gonna, they tell me, uh, stand up and tell me three things about yourself. And the three things I said was, uh, hi, my name is Jacoby. I'm black. And I work for both angles. <laughs> but after today, if we were to do that small group again, I have four things to say. Hi, my name is Jacoby. I'm black. I work at Bojangles, but now I'm a son of God. Like everybody, everybody has a testimony. Everybody has a story. My stories, I wouldn't say my story is all that different from maybe somebody sitting in here today, but uh, 
I appreciate everybody taking the time to listen to what I had to say today. Uh, I grew up, uh, was born in uh, Tampa, Florida. Uh, my mom had me at the age of 14. Uh, being that young and having a child, scary. You're not prepared for it. My dad was uh, 15, and I never met my dad. My dad, he heard that, hey, you're having a baby at the age of 15, left town, don't even know his name, never seen his face. Being that my mom couldn't raise uh, a kid at that age, uh, I remember her uh, taking me to a close friend's house, and she was like, you're going to be staying with them for a while. And that was the last time I seen her and spoke to her. So here I am, uh, a kid, growing up into some people I consider strangers' house. Um, me and the family, we were... They always preached about how you're, I'm always equal. I'm like their own kid. But being the outsider, you can tell the difference. You can see the difference. There's certain links that you would go for your kid before you step out and go for another kid. And I can see that difference. So the whole time I'm living, I'm growing up through my teenage years, through my childhood, I'm feeling alone. I keep to myself. Nobody knows my problems. Nobody. This is it's me and me against the world. So, but a couple months back, everything started going downhill for me. I mean, I lost my car. Being that I work a distance from my job, having no transportation puts a damper on on working, so I was on the verge of losing my job. And uh, it happened to be um, one morning. I had to work at uh, 4 o'clock in the morning, and I spoke to my dad at it, that earlier that day, and, and I was like, could you take me to work in the morning? And he said yes. So I wake up, get dressed, and I knock on the door, and I'm like, Dad, you got to take me to work. And he looks me in the face. And he says, no, I can't take you. And he slams the door in my face. So now, eventually, I've learned to just smile things off. I'm smiling to myself. I'm like, God, you're just letting all these bad things happen to me. And, like, what's next? Like, what's next? So... I go and I stay with a friend for two days. Cause, uh, I'm thinking I have to get some money. I have to. I have to be at work. Like this is the only thing that's going on. And uh, I come back home. I come back home to a house where my bed has been taken down. My clothes are packed at the door. And I look at my mother's face and. The first thing I expect her to say is, like, where have you been? I miss you. Like, uh, I was going to call the cops or something, you know? And she looks at me and she says, your dad has to talk to you. Uh, 
you you have to go. And I'm thinking like this is love. This is how love feels. Love been left twice. So um I'm hanging around the house and the past uh, Saturday, uh, Tyler, he, 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 we had played baseball together and him and a couple of friends and he, he kept, he kept inviting me. And then I remember that day he invited me and he was like, are you going to come play baseball today? And I, I was so ashamed of my lifestyle now because now no car, I'm about to lose my job. And now I'm about to have no place to live, and, and I didn't want him to be ashamed of me. So I, I'm not prideful enough to say, "Hey, man, I don't have a car to come come chill with you." I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, I, I don't want him to think less of me. So a couple of days go by, he texts me again, and he's like, "Hey, dude, are you gonna come play baseball? I could come pick you up." And I'm thinking, like, he's going to come pick me up. He's going to come all this way to pick me up, and I have no gas money to give him. And I'm thinking, <laughs> he's, he's going to laugh, like, poor kid. How, like, you're almost a grown man. How don't, how don't you have your life together? And, I, and I'm thinking, like, how, how? And something tells me to ask for help. Maybe he could help. And then he, I finally get built up the courage to ask him for help. And I, he's like... Just call my mom and see what my mom can do. So I get a, he sends me her email address and I I go to make this email. <laughs> I spent about three hours trying to get this email together. <laughs> I horrible speller. I'm googling every word. <laughs> words like the and 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 I'm trying to <laughs> trying to make sure it looks professional <laughs> and, I, and I send it and I'm like okay she's going to get back to me in three days maybe a week and then we'll see what goes I'm not expecting anything I go upstairs to get something to drink I come back and there's an email and she, she says in the email she gives me her number and she says call me and so I call her and she's like What's going on? And I tell her, I didn't tell her the whole story. I just tell her I lose, I lost my car. And she was like, give me a second and I'll call you back. So at that point, I'm thinking, okay, she doesn't want to deal with this problem. She just, she just told me something just to get me off the phone and now, and now it's back to my life. She called me back, not a minute later, not a minute less. And then she was like, I just got you approved for a loan by the owner of our company, and we're going to get your car. She hangs up, and then I'm, I'm all smiles because finally something positive ha- happened in my life. So she calls back again, and she's like, Tyler's told me what's been going on. I, I want you to come stay in my house, and I want you to live rent-free until you get your life together. That's all I ask for you. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, she doesn't even know me. Like, she, she probably doesn't even know, like, half of the stuff I've been through. Like, but she's invited me in her house. So, the first three nights I stayed at their house, with a couple weeks to be exact, I couldn't. 
I couldn't sleep with the lights off. I cried every night because I felt that two weeks, three months, however long it's going to take, like everybody else, they're going to want to get rid of me. Do not get attached to these people because they're going to want to get rid of me. And one day, um, her and Jim had planned on going on a little vacation trip. So they were like, uh, you're gonna be home, you might be home alone because the boys go out and they work, but every door is open to you. Every, treat this like you grown up here, eat when you want and stuff. And I'm looking at this like, person like, I'm looking at her like she's crazy. Just let this black kid in your house. And you're going to leave me here alone for a couple of days. So while they leave, I'm, I'm checking for the cameras, you know, because I know they're, they're watching somewhere. <laughs> but they put so much trust in me, and they only needed me for a couple, three weeks. And then I started to realize, like, this is what love is. This is the love that God wanted me to experience. For so long, I've been angry, hatred in my heart. But I wanted to be free of all that today. I always wanted a home. I always wanted a family. And now I have it. The Damerons, you, Vintage, you guys become my family. And now I know that there's people that love me, but there was always Jesus and God that loved me. Thank you. All right, let's do this. Once you stand right here, I'd like to get y'all. I want I want everyone to stand up. We just want to support him. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to come stand right here in the middle. I'll go, come with me. Come with me. All right. <clears throat> a little uncomfortable, but I want every single person to get out of your seat, and I want us to create a big circle around him, okay? So if you need to get on stage, you can do that. I want everyone to move. I want you to all kind of press in. I want him to feel the weight of our presence as his family over him, Okay? We got the, so we, we baptized them at 9 o'clock. They didn't get to pray over them like you're about to, okay? So y'all go ahead and come on around. I know this is, like, this is your new at Vintage. We're like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? Welcome to Vintage. We love our people, and we want them to feel our presence, and we want to gather around them, okay? We're not perfect here, uh, but we love the best we can. So when I, say, when I say go, I want y'all just to start praying for him, okay? And then, when, uh, then I'll, I'll close us out in a second. So on three. Go. One, two, three. Pray this uh, morning, Jesus, that you 
would seal. We praise you, God. Your Holy Spirit's job is to come and seal us for the day of completion, Lord. And so, Father, we praise you for the seal that you put on Jacoby's life, that he belongs to you. Father, that he will forever have a family in Christ. He'll forever have a family in us. And that, Lord, wherever he goes, he now has a family of representing the body of Christ. Wherever he goes, God, that will encourage him, that will love him and speak in him. So, Holy Spirit, today... We thank you, Jesus, this morning for just for the, the baptism with water, Lord, just this renewing, this going down into death, coming up to new life. And we pray now just this baptism of fire, that Holy Spirit, you would come, that he would be inflamed by you for the purposes of your kingdom. Father, that you would take him places and do things in him. He could, only, he could never have dreamt imaginable just even weeks and months ago. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give him an awareness of what it means to be a child of God, that all things are possible for those who believe. I pray. Father, that you would enlarge his tent. Father, that you would take those tent pegs. You would enlarge them. He would understand now, God, that he is a child of God. That, God, he is a co-heir with Christ, an heir of God. Everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to him. And that he would walk in confidence from this moment on in Jesus' name. He would walk in the confidence of a child of the king with his head up, Father God, never looking down again. He would never walk, Father God, in depression, but he would walk in confidence with joy and love leading his way, Father. Come, Holy Spirit, we do pray that you remove the cloud of darkness and give him the cloud of life, Father God, that led the Israelites, Lord. That was the Spirit of God. We say, Holy Spirit, come, speak into him and bring life and fullness to him. Destiny, kingdom destiny, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray this. And all God's people said, Amen. All right. All right. Jacoby, love you, bro. All right. Well, welcome to Vintage. So I'm just going to, um, man, um, so good. We just had church, y'all. The, uh, So I felt like God speaking into 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 that moment. Um, how many of you know that God speaks into moments, right? That in life, that He He's, He speaks into moments like things begin to happen. He actually has thoughts and feelings about them, thoughts and feelings, right? We're made in His image. We have thoughts. We have feelings. God has thoughts and feelings in in specific moments, and you know, in in that that moment of you know of God speaking through Jacoby and. Um, you know, and then we, we get up, you know, there's a part that's, you know, I, I don't know if part of you went, oh, like that's a little uncomfortable. You're going to make me stand up and you're going to make me stand up in the middle of a service and I have to move and then I have to go pray for someone. And we're like, oh, that's a little uncomfortable for me. Right. What I think God likes to do for us um, as a gift to us is get us out of our comfort zones. That there, and in fact, I would say that he actually likes to do it every day, because when we actually get out of our comfort 
zones, then that's the place where his spirit's able to move. Because another thing you can call a comfort zone is a box. And we're really, really good about putting ourselves in a box and closing ourselves, closing it around us so we feel protected and safe. And there's actually no protection and no safety when I'm by myself in a box because there's nothing worse than being isolated and alone. And so when I get out of my box, then I actually see life. I see blue sky. I see the fullness of God because when I'm in a box, it's really dark and I have nothing going on. And so the idea for for us, even in moments like this at Vintage, is we are Vintage 242. It's taken from Acts 242, right, where they would leave the four walls of the of their of their temple and they would go into people's houses. Maybe they didn't even know, and they would break bread together with them, and they would actually open up the Bible and begin to study it together. And then they would share their deepest, darkest secrets and the things they had greatest need in, right, exposing self outside of their box. They would pray for one another that God would bring healing. And how do you, listen, how do, listen, everybody hear this. How do you think the disciples knew, remember in chapter 7, it says, and everybody brought all that they had, laid it at the apostles' feet, and they then distributed it to those who had need? How do you think they knew what those needs are? Because people got outside of their boxes, inside of those homes, and shared their deepest needs. They brought it back, shared it to the apostles, and then they distributed it to them. How many of you love to share your weaknesses with people? How many of you love to be exposed? If you grew up in the South, you hate it. Because in the South, we dress like we're a millionaire. We have absolutely nothing. Because it's all about our status and who we are. And God says, I want you, because I love you, to get you outside of your box. And that's what we did this morning. You get up and you had to get uncomfortable. Oh, I'm just so comfortable in my chair. Get tired of comfortable. Get tired of it. Get tired of the faithlessness. And give yourself the things that actually matter and are uncomfortable. Because when that happens, you know what happens? God's kingdom breaks forth in the moment. How many of you think that the kingdom just broke forth in the Jacoby's life in a new way in that moment? Because we were actually willing to get up out of our chairs, lay hands on him and pray for him, even out loud in front of people. Right? And in our discomfort, he was made to feel loved and comfortable. And how many knows what every moment of every day looks like? You living your life and getting outside of your box at Walmart, right? Or at Napa or at, or at, or at Wendy's or at Chick-fil-A or at your job or even in your neighborhood and literally just saying, oh, getting outside of my box and being uncomfortable and bringing the kingdom. That's good when you do that, y'all. All right. Well, let's jump in this morning. So we're talking about generous living at Vintage, right? Generous living. And, and we all understand generosity, right? Generosity is I have something and I recognize someone has greater need of it, so I give it away. Generosity. I see that you need something or even that you want something, and so I will be generous and I will give what I have away, right? And so the idols of, of in our lives today, the idols in our day and age are not graven images that we build out of gold. The idols today, and I want you to hear this, this is my opinion, but I believe with everything I have in me. The idols of our day that we exalt to a, like a holy level are our time, our money, our energy, and our resources. The idols that we bow down to are our time. How many of you said this week, oh, I just don't have enough time, right? We make time something uber special, time or money. I mean, I think we all get it, right? 
money. We just, we bow down to the idol of money and our energy. I mean, think about our energy. Our energy is just like, like outside of our comfort zone, exerting something that costs us something, right? We bow down to energy. Money, time, energy, and resources. Resources aren't just money. Resources are stuff that we have, right? Whether it's a gift, a talent, or, or it could be something financial in nature, right? We bow down in our day and age to these idols of money, time, energy, and resources. So to the Dameron tomb, you didn't get to actually seek them up here, right? But if you don't know the Damers, they were sitting back here earlier. They've been a part of Vintage for a long time. I could just imagine them in the moment, right? Tyler Dameron, their son, who has been helping out with youth for a long time. Tyler's sitting there one day, and Jacoby gets on the phone, right? And Jacoby, all of a sudden, just feels compelled. He feels compelled to actually share what's going on in this life in fear this person's not going to receive him, right? And in that moment, Tyler has a choice. Do I bow down to the lack of time that I have, the lack of energy that I have, the lack of resources, and the lack of money that I have, or do I step in and do I make a difference? And so in that moment, right, that, 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 that crucible, that moment of decision, Tyler's sitting there. You know what happened? Tyler heard the voice of the Lord. Listen, I've been talking to Tyler for the last three years, and we sat down and said, Steve, how can I hear the voice of the Lord? We had lengthy conversations of, listen, be, Scripture says, Tyler, be still, sit before him and know him. Read Scripture, right? Read the Bible. Listen every day of your life. He's a, he's a God of relationship. He wants to relate to you. He wants to speak with you, right? So in that moment, he has, so Jacoby shares something with him, and he has this moment. Do I make a decision? What's my decision, right? And he says, hold on a second. Because he honors his mother, he says, let me call my mom. Let me call my mom and see what my mom can do, right? And so Tyler gets on the phone and calls and then, and then to call, he says, and has this conversation back and forth and there's this whole thing going on, right? And then Rhonda and, and Jim and then, and then the two, the two boys, Tyler and Jordan, they basically make this decision and say to Jacoby, like, listen, Listen, we probably don't have the money or the time or the energy or the resources to, to really bring you in and take, take, take care of you. But who really cares? We're going to do it anyway. We're going to make time, right? We're going to make sure there's money. We're going to make sure we have enough energy, enough resources to care for you. Our home is your home. It's going to cost us something, right? But we don't care. It's worth it to bring the kingdom of God into your life so that you can have life because he didn't have it. And so they did. And all of a sudden, Jacoby, his life, you heard his story I mean, for three weeks. He, did, he went to sleep with the lights on because of fear. With fear of whatever it was. The fear of dark, the fear of being alone, the fear of being unlovable again and someone kicking him out, right? And he stood here this morning. Listen, he came to our small group and it was just... It was powerful just to watch these walls come down. There's one specific night I can remember. He didn't really talk about it, right? That, but it's just, and I wasn't even there for the small group, but, but Randall was leading that night. And it's like all of a sudden this, these massive walls came down in his life and others' lives. And it was like the Spirit of God broke out into our small group. And all of a sudden it was like life had come. And Jacoby's life, man, it was just radically altered. It wasn't anything to do with us. It was because, it was because Jesus was loving him through us and through the Damrons, the kingdom of God. God had come into Kobe's life and he says, I want to get baptized. Like, nothing's going to keep me from that. Get baptized, son. This is your Jesus. It's your God. He loves you and you got to experience it through someone getting outside of their box and loving on you and bringing you life. Oh, this is so good. This is church. It's what it's all about. 
It's what it's all about. It's about us dying to self, giving our life away. What do you think it meant when Jesus said, if you're going to be my follower, you must take up your cross and follow me? Dietrich Bonhoeffer's great quote, when Jesus bids a man come, or a woman, he bids him to come and to die. Die to self, selfishness, to die to their box, to die to their stuff, to die to their fear of lack of resources, energy, time, or money, whatever it may be, to die to self and to give their life away. You see, last week we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says this, If anyone, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old, has come, the old is gone, the new has come. Listen, when we sit this morning and hear Jacoby's story, what I want to say to you is this. In our selfishness, we make life all about self. In the sign of the old life, the sign of the old life is sin and selfishness and fear and anxiety and worry and anger. All of these pieces, they make up the old self. And we said last week, we, as human beings, we live in the tension. We live in the tension of the old self because if we're honest, our felt experience, right? Our felt experience, the felt part of our emotions and all of this is that we really live in the context of the old life, right? I mean, yes, I struggle with sin every day. This sin seems like it's a part of my life. I'm struggling over here. Yes, worry and anxiety and all of these things, Steve, they still define my existence and I don't know what to do. I live with tension with this verse. I don't want to call God a liar, but I sure don't feel like a new creation. We live in that tension. We live in that, that tension of the old self, right? We, we're comfortable with making time, money, energy, and resources an idol. Why? Because we fear the lack of it, right? Or we get tired so easily. We live in this tension. Great, Steve, that we're a new creation. But I don't feel like it. But God's speaking in the moment saying, this is what I felt like he was speaking this week, it is imperative Listen, it is imperative as followers of Jesus that we live with a biblical conviction that we are a new creation and not a felt experiential understanding of still feel like an old creation. Here's the reason. This is the thing. Ed and I talked about this this week at Accountability. It's this. No one can launch into a life of generous living if they're still living bound by their old self because it's a faulty foundation. If selfishness and sin define your life and I tell you to live generously, you can't do it. Why? Because selfishness and sin still defines how you view yourself. 
You can't launch into generous living unless you launch from this foundation of knowing that you are a new creation and the old has gone and you're living selfless with the fruit of joy, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control defining every moment or most moments of your life even when you're going through hell in life. This is what I felt like God spoke in the moment. Steve, you can't launch into a generous living until you help people at least get a biblical understanding of who they are in Christ as a new creation. So this morning what I'm going to do is I'm literally going to break down a bunch of scriptures that just speak the truth about who you are as a new creation. Here's the reason why. As human beings, whether you know it or not, your belief structure about, listen, your belief structure about who you are, and about who God is, it's called theology, your belief structure about God, your theology, your belief structure about self, and your belief structure about God is built, I believe, primarily on your emotions and your feelings and your experience in situations rather than on the word of God. And if we can't, and if we are bound by our emotions, our feelings, and our experience, then we will never We'll never know who God is fully. We'll never be able to launch into what he's called us to launch into. That's the beauty of this. This morning, I'm going to lay out the foundation for you biblically, because here's the, here's the deal. And here's the thing, and again, it's dramatic. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to be mean. This is dr- dramatic for dram- drama's sake. It's this. If you don't really, and you only know this, if you don't really believe that you're a new creation... If you say things, well, I'm just going to struggle with this forever, or I'm just going to be bound in this forever, well, I'm not ever going to break out of this, then what you've just done, I hate to say this, but you've called God a liar. I'm not trying to be mean, but it's true. If you say, well, it's great you think I'm a new creation, but then you've called God a liar. And I know that's not your heart, so I'm going to save you from doing that. Okay? And here's how we're going to do it. God is going to speak to us, and I'm asking for awakening this morning, just to break down Scripture to give you a biblical understanding of what God thinks about you, and then you're going to take, and here's what you get to do, right? This is the freeing part. You're going to go to God and say, God, I know you say this, and I'm not going to call you a liar. I'm not going to call you a liar, but I'm having a hard time believing this is true about me because I'm living right here. That's what you're going to do when you get to the end of this. God, I believe you. I believe you, but help me. The picture I had this morning was of Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, 10th grade, he got, he didn't get cut from his basketball team like some people say. He was actually demoted, he actually was put on the JV team. Michael Jordan, the best basketball player in my opinion has ever lived. So much better than Kobe or, or LeBron James in my opinion, right? And he, yes, amen, brother. <laughs> Michael Jordan, could you imagine after his 10th grade year, and that just happened. He'd just been, he'd just been demoted down to the 10th grade, excuse me, 10th grade down to the JV team. And he walks out of the gym never to return to it because he was so demoralized. His experience, his emotions, and his feelings in the moment with that he were a loser. Could you imagine if he had never come back to basketball? He would have been the best basketball player to ever live who never was. That's the old self. 
You can be the most mighty man woman of God in the world who never was unless you actually grab onto the idea that you actually are pretty freaking amazing in Christ. You are amazing in Christ. Why? Because of the work that Jesus has done in your life. The new creation. Here we go. Galatians chapter 1, 3 through 4. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father. The thing I want you to recognize, this is freeing for some of you. Jesus rescued us from an evil age, but we still live in it, right? So he rescued us from the power of it. He rescued it from having control over us. He rescued us from the influence that it it could have on us, right? But he leaves us in the moment. That should make some of you feel better because you're like, oh, thank you for sharing that because I still feel the evil age pushing around me all the time. Yes, because God left you here because there's still Jacobis of the world who need to be saved from the evil age. And he says, I want to pull you out and then put you back in. But I'm putting you back in as one who has power and control over the evil age. It can't define your life anymore because the Holy Spirit does not share. Jesus does not share the throne of your heart with anything of the world. So he says, I'm going to pluck you from it. I'm going to heal you. You're going to, I'm going to heal you, and then I'm going to send you back to it, and I want you to bring salvation, but don't worry. The sin and the evil of the age cannot destroy you. Why, Jesus? Because my spirit lives inside of you, and you are all powerful because of me inside of you. You can do nothing, but I can do all things. Therefore, we live in an evil age. We have been rescued from it. Why? Because it was God's will. It was his desire. It was his heart in the moment. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. So we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, listen, oh man, that we too may live a new life. Listen, Scripture is very clear. You can go and read in Romans 6, other part of it. It says, when you go down into death, you die to the law of sin. You die to the power of sin. You die to the overwhelming nature of sin. You die to it, and then you are raised to new life. And listen, when you were raised to new life, you were a new person. You were a new creation. The things that you died to no longer have power over you anymore, right? Why? Because Jesus exalted, he brought you up, and you are with him. You were with him. His life is in you, right? The power of the enemy has no power over Jesus. The cross is all-powerful. The cross is all-powerful. It's ours. It is ours, right? We were buried into death, but we were raised to a new life, a new creation in him. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So I say, verse 16, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. 
verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and with its desires. Don't you love that? Verse 24. When you've gone down into death and been crucified with Christ, the sinful nature with its passions and desires, they've been crucified. They are dead to you, right? They no longer have power or control over you, right? Verse 1 says, it's for that reason, it's for freedom. For your freedom over sin that Christ set you free. It no longer has to have power and dominion over you. It's the idea. We still live in a present evil age. There is still sin around us. But it has no power over us. It's outside of us. The only way something can control you is from the inside. No, you are free. The Holy Spirit resides in you. This can have no power over you, right? So it's for freedom. Stand firm. Then let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Slavery has the idea of being controlled by something. It says, stand firm. You don't have to be, right? Verse 16 says, so I say, live by the Spirit who dwells inside of you, who is all powerful. What does that mean to live by the Spirit? We can talk about lots of things, but ultimately it means this, that you live under the daily influence and control of Jesus inside of you. Why? Because you daily give yourself as a living sacrifice, Romans 12, 1, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. What he's saying is, listen, every day to live by the Spirit is to acknowledge that Jesus lives in you, has control over you, is ultimately powerful in the context of an evil world. And every day you have to devote yourself to him, give yourself to him, and live for him. But it goes on in Ephesians chapter 4, and this is something that should kind of bring a level of comfort for us. It speaks to our situation. Verse 22 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its evil desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and true holiness. Verse 22 and 24, Paul is speaking to a church who's been Christians for a little while, and he's reminding them, right, they're Greek in tradition. And so if you don't know in Greek tradition, it was really understood, this language of, of, of putting on a garment, right? So the idea is saying, listen, you're living in an evil age, and there's an, listen, there is an old self evil or, uh, garment that's over here. And it's there, and you can see it every day of your life. And you have a choice. You can pick up that garment of slavery, of slavery, of sin, of the old stuff. You can pick that up again and put it on. But what he's telling us here is, but instead be made new in the attitude of your minds, right? Renew your mind, focus on Jesus, and every day choose to put on the new self, the new garment, the garment of a new creation. He's basically naming the, the felt experience of every single one of us, that we live in this state of, of feeling with our, with our felt experience and our emotions and all this stuff, this, this old world stuff around us. And he's saying, listen, it's the old garment. It's outside of you, right? But you don't have to put it on. What I was telling somebody this week is how I, how I view the world outside. Sometimes it says it's like the enemy's outside of us, right? My passions, my evil passions, those evil desires are outside of me. But the enemy can get, listen, he can get so close to me that he can scream so close into my ear that it's actually, it's actually as if he's inside of me. 
Have you ever experienced that? Someone screams right by your ear. It's like reverberating in your brain. Sometimes that's what it's like for the enemy. He screams so loud. It's like he's inside. It's like, oh, no, right? And I say, no, no, no. He's still outside. He's still outside. It's the old self. He's just wooing you, right? And the idea he's getting, I want you to hear this. How do I combat that, Steve? Well, you have to choose to put on the garment of Jesus every day. You have to stand on the truth of being a new creation. I don't even know if I believe it. Just grab hold of it. It is true about you because Jesus stated it. So every day I wake up and I say this, Jesus, I am a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. Jesus, today I choose to walk with you. I choose to listen to you, God. And it, listen, and if I fail today, and if I fall into sin today, and Jesus, if by chance I make a mistake today, which I probably will, God, help me to take that off again and continue to always put on the new garment, right? I'm always clothing myself because what happens in time is I continue to clothe myself with a new garment. It's I continue to embrace the truth about who I am. One day I'll wake up and what used to have power no longer has power and what should have power has power in my life and I begin to get outside of my box and change the Jacobis of the world. Why? Because I begin to believe who I am as a new creation in Christ. This is the good news. And what I want you to see this and this should be overwhelming and then I'm done. It says this. We are created in verse 24 to be like God. That's what it says in verse 24. Put that up there, Maddie. Verse 24, please. 24. We are created to be like God in true righteousness and true holiness. You're not going to be God, but your life in the attributes of your life and what you express in your life are the primary attributes that define God best. Righteousness, right standing, right action, right? And holiness, the separation for the goodness and the things of God. You were created to be like God. You listen, you were created. Paul's saying, listen, God expects, he expects and desires that you were created. That's why he moved, that you be created to be like God, because he expects and believes that in your power of the Holy Spirit, you can live righteous and you can live holy. You were created not in some future time, but to every day. We call it the process of sanctification every day, becoming more and more and more like Jesus. That's one of the primary theological tenets of the early church and beyond. Every day you are to grow in your image and likeness of God as a new creation into righteousness and into holiness and all that I'm doing. You were created to be like God. If you want a correct platform to stand on for generous living, then that's where you stand, my friends. And who God has said you already are in Christ. And if you're hearing lies over here from the enemy about the old defining you and who you are over here, you say to hell with you. Because that's where you belong. Because I have been told I'm a new creation to be like God in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. Because he's rescued me from this evil age and I'm no longer defined by the power of sin in my life. The old self does not define me. I'm a child of God. A new creation created to be like God in true righteousness and true holiness. If you're going to launch into generous living, which should model, which is basically what the cross of Christ was he saw that we had great need 
So he left heaven, came through a dirty birth, came through a birth canal into a dirty barn, thought it was bright, thought it was wise to do this, to express his humility and his servant nature, to live a very, very, very common life as the king of all kings, and then to pick up and have 12 men who followed him, to have one betray him, and then when he died to have about 120 followers, and to die and be resurrected again and say, that's what it means, right? That's what it means to live as a servant. Generous living, giving your life away for those who have greater need than you do. Dying to selfishness and the idol of time, money, energy, and resources. And say, all that I have, God, does not belong to me. It belongs to you. Do as you will through me. That's the call of God. This is the season that we're in. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence with us. And Father, we don't want to be the Michael Jordan in 10th grade who just walks away and never was. Father, we're not going to allow our experience, our emotion, or our feelings to define what we believe about you and what we believe about self. We're going to trust that what you say is true and we're asking for help. Jesus, because we can't do it on our own strength to flesh it out. We're crying out and saying, God, give us grace. Help us in the moment, Jesus. Help us to get outside and to love well and to generously live, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you, Lord. Father, you are good. We pray this in your name. Amen.